Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight we're in 1 John um, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 tonight, as we open up God word, God's Word. And so what I'll do is I'll go ahead and read through the verses, and then we'll go back and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And so before we get started with that, let's uh, pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. So Father God, we, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your Word. Um, as we open up this section of scripture tonight, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts, that we would see the message that you're conveying to us, and that message is love. And so, Lord, speak into our hearts tonight, Father. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go in uh, verse uh, 10 of chapter 3, 1 John. It said, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren. In the if the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. But this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So as we've been studying through First John, some of the things that have been coming out very clearly, and, and we saw it last week as we were studying in um, chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, nine. One of the things that we saw very clearly, we saw that God is conveying the love that he has for his children. For us as men and women of Christ, that he is conveying that love to us. And it is tonight's message is going to be that because he loves us, we ought to go out into the world and we should love others as he has loved us. And he's going to make that very clear through John tonight. But as we think about love tonight, one of the things that's so interesting is we think about love. We know that humanity has had love on their minds for many, many uh, years. And so I, I just thought it would be a neat thing to go through some of the songs that people have written about love. One of the, the one of the songs, and I know that probably this is not going to meet everybody's list, but one of the songs we remember that Tina Turner wrote a song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And we know that when we're talking about a relationship with God, love has everything to do with it. And we see that very clearly in the scriptures. There's another one, Whitney Houston, and I will always love you. We remember this song very popular and, and probably more in our age group is we remember that the Beatles wrote a song, All We Need Is Love. And this was an era of love and love for others and it was such a beautiful, but there also there was another very popular um, singer, Elvis Presley, who wrote a, a song, Can't Help Falling In Love With You, a beautiful song written that Elvis Presley wrote. But also I had to quote um, from the disco era because I know that there's some people here um, that are watching tonight that are part of the disco. And the Bee Gees, how deep is your love? 
And so we see that humanity has always been contemplating this love, but we're going to see tonight that John's going to speak to us tonight that this love is to be love in action, love for others, that it is love in action, not in words, but in actions moving out of our hearts and into people's lives, sharing love with them. And this is what he's going to call us to. But before we get into the study tonight, I'd like to share a short story with you. And so there was a, a man who had a son, and his son was name is Jacob. And he had a love for his son, Jacob. And the thing about um, his father, Jacob's father, is that his father had a desire for him to go to college. His dad wanted him to go to college. Um, his father owned a bookstore, and there was an apartment that was up above his bookstore. And so this is where he lived, and he always wanted his son to go to college. But one of the things that's so interesting that Jacob... He did not have a desire to go to college. Uh, what Jacob wanted to do is that he wanted to marry his childhood sweetheart. Her name is Lila. And he had a love for her and he wanted to marry her. But we see that as, as the father is Jacob wanting to be in obedience to his father, he went ahead and as it came time for him to go to college, he went off to college. And as he was in college, he was only in college for about five months. And he got word back that his father was ill, that his father became ill. And so he started making preparations to go back to see his father. Before he could actually get back to his father, he received another a message that his father had passed away. And so he comes back home and he sees the, the whole family business and he has to kind of take over the family business. But he closes the, the shop for a few days and he get, gathers and he has the funeral arrangements for his father and all the things that he does. And right after that, not too much longer after that, that he takes over the family business and him and Lila, they get married. And, and the next thing they do is they move into the apartment above the bookstore and we can see that this bookstore that, that now Jacob has been, um, now he's been put in charge of running this bookstore. This bookstore is, is gonna work out fine for Jacob. You see, Jacob is very subdued, like his father. But one of the things that Lila, she is very outgoing, energetic girl, French girl, that she wants to go out and she wants to see the world and she loves Jacob, but she has a desire in her heart to see the world. And so one of these uh, days as they're there working in the bookstore, uh, Lila, she has a beautiful voice and she is singing there in the bookstore. A talent agent happens to be uh, walking in the halls and he hears Lila's beautiful voice. And, and he comes in and he said, whose voice is that? And she says, hello, my name is Lila. And he said, you have a beautiful voice. You, you, you really do have a beautiful voice. He said, I am a, I'm a talent agent. And I have my own show, and I think that you would be perfect to come to my show, and that you would be part of my show. But one of the things that he tells her is, he tells her that his show is in Europe, and that this is something. And when this talent agent came in, this is the first time that Lila in her life, has, she's been married to Jacob, she once again is stirred in her heart to go out and do something that's different than the life that she's been so used to. And so you can imagine she, she, she plans and she actually goes and she tells the man if he's serious that she is, she is serious about going with him. And he says, I will take you to Europe, all expenses paid and take you to Europe and I will put you in this show. And so she's so excited about it. She tells him to come the next morning to pick her up. But of course she has not told Jacob yet anything about this. 
And so Jacob there is working in the shop and she finally gets an opportunity to sit down and speak with Jacob. And she said, Jacob, I want to tell you what happened today. And so she tells him the whole story about what happened. And, and Jacob, you can, you can imagine, you can see that he is devastated by what he has just heard about Lila wanting to leave. The, the, his childhood sweetheart wants to leave and go to Europe in search of, I don't know what, in search of the world that she wants to go out and find out that there's something out there that she must go out and see. And so we can see that Jacob is heartbroken, but we see right away Lila, she says, well, I'm leaving here shortly, and so I need I must pack my bags. She goes into the room and starts to gather things that she wants to take on this trip, this new venture in life that she feels that is going to fulfill her and is going to satisfy her in the way that she feels that she needs to be satisfied. And so she, she, uh, as she's gathering her bag, she gets back down to the, to the bottom of the doorstep and she has her bags packed and Jacob comes down to her and he is devastated and he tells Lila something. He says, Lila, I have something for you. And she, he hands her a key. And he hands her a key. And he said, this key is the key to the bookstore. He says, one thing I want to tell you. He said, Lila, I know that your love for me is not much different than my love is for you. And I know that one day that you will return after you're done looking out in the world, searching for something that you, you, you already have. And so he says, but my, make me a promise that you'll hang on to this key always because one day you will return. She mustered a tear in her eye and she came back and she kissed Jacob on the cheek. She grabbed her bags and she walked out the door. Most men in this situation, they would be devastated, but they oftentimes men, they turn to things of the world. They turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to going to bars and carousing with other people. But we see that one of the things that Jacob did, that he, what he did is he uh, started beginning, instead of going out and doing those things, he um, just uh, in, in put himself in his work. All he enthroned himself in his work and he just made sure that everything in the workplace, that the bookstore was everything it needed to be. He started ordering new books. He made it shelving differently and he wanted to make it very appealing to people. And he put all his time into this bookstore that his father had left him. And in the very back of the bookstore, he put a table where he could see the front door. And what he did is every day he would sit at his desk and he would read books and he would be thinking that one day the love of his life was going to return. And so this went on for years and years. And it wasn't 15 years later that his, that his wife comes back. Lila comes back to the door after 15 years. And what's interesting about it, after 15 years of him being so enveloped in his work and the things of his work, that when he hears the buzzer, which is a little uh, bell that's on the door as it opens, he's in the back and he gathers his stuff, which he usually did. And he said, I'll be right with you. And so he went out there to greet this customer who he thought it was. And as he got out to the customer, he says, yes, may I help you? You see that Lila, the first thing is we see that Jacob did not recognize Lila. He did not recognize her after 15 years. And one of the things in her heart, it really tugged at her heart that he did not recognize her. One of the things that, that she does is she decides after she swallowed this pain, she says, I know a way to jar his memory. And she tells him, she says, I'm looking for a book. I, I don't know the author, 
But I can tell you what the book is about. And he said, well, tell me what the book is about. And I can tell you if I, where it's at on the shelves or I can tell you if we have it. And he, she says, there's a, a book about a, a child, two childhood sweethearts who met and who fell in love and who got married for a short time and who lived in an apartment above the, above the bookstore that their father had left them. And not only that, though, she said that her husband, the husband had given the wife a key and told him, told her never to lose it, that one day she would need it. Jacob thought about it for a second. He said, you know what? I, I think I've read this book. I, I think I might have it. I might have this book. And he turns around to go to get something. And she, as he turns around, Lila says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, don't you remember that this book is about Lila and Jacob. And he said, I know this book. It is written by Trotowski. This book is written by Trotowski. I have this book. And he turns around. And as she starts to weep and starts to cry, understanding that Jacob's heart, he had forgotten his first love. He had forgotten his first love. And he was so enveloped of the things of the world and the things of his work that now his first love that has come before the door that she didn't, he, he did not recognize her. And so we see that Lila, what she does is when she, Jacob tells her this, that he has the book, she drops the key and she turns around and she walks out the door. What's so interesting about this story is that we see that God's love is completely the opposite of what happens in this story. You see, when we walk away and we go in search of the things in the world to fulfill us, to satisfy us, you see, God is always waiting at the doorstep for us to come back so he can shower us with his love. And this is what John is going to talk to us about tonight, the love that we are to have for others because he first loved us. We are his first love. We are his first love. He sent his son to die on a cross because he loves us. And we're going to see that tonight in the study tonight. And so here we go. We're going to get off here in, in uh, verse 10. And it says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he, nor is he who does not love his brother. One of the things that we see in this uh, very first verse here in verse 10, we see that we can see whose child we belong to by the way we act. If we go out into the world and we mistreat people and we treat people like they're not important to us, then the world gets the impression that we, our father is Satan, the devil. But when we go out into the world and we love people, and even when, and I know it, it's very easy to love people who love us, but it is those opportunities that people, there's something about them that we don't like or they don't like about us, but we are called to love them as well. Because remember that Christ has loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were lost in our sin, he still died on a cross for us. And this is what he wants us to convey. But we know that when we gave our lives and we surrendered our lives to Christ, we know that one thing for sure happened. We know that the love of Christ filled our hearts. And this is who are we to convey. And these natures, right, our old nature, even though that we still have our old nature, we have two natures, our old nature and our new godly nature that we've been given by God. We've been given this godly nature. And so there was a, a Sunday school teacher 
And she had a class of teenagers and she, as the class started, she wanted to speak to them of these two natures that lived inside of them. And one of the things the school teacher said, she says, I, I want to explain to you that the old nature that you have inside of you, it came from Adam. And this new nature that you've been given, it comes from Christ, who is called the last Adam. He is called the last Adam. And this is the, the, what, what uh, God has called us, these two different natures living inside of us. And the teacher reads 1 Corinthians 15.45 to the class. And this is what it says. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And so she's explaining to it. And one of the one of the boys in the class, he says, oh, this this teacher, this sounds so much like that we have these two natures. You're talking about this old nature, Adam, and this new nature that we've been given by Christ, who is the last Adam. And she says, you're you're getting the picture. Yes, we do have these two natures and these two natures are constantly warring against each other constantly throughout your life. It'll be warring against each other. The other students in the class, they pondered this for a few minutes. And one of the students said, this really helps me, teacher. I'm glad that you brought this up tonight because this really helps me. Because when temptation comes to my door, I'm starting to see that if I send the first Adam, that I will stumble and I will sin. But uh, but I'm I'm thankful that if I send the last Adam, Jesus Christ, that I will be given victory over my sin and over my temptation. I will be given victory. And the teacher said, you are understanding the word of God and you are understanding this war that we have in us. And each and every one of us, we have this war going on inside of us. But as we are called to love others, one of the things that's so interesting is we we know that, that this love that we have for others, that we are to share it with others. And this comes from um, 3 John 1.11. It says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil. But what is good, he who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. And so we have not seen God if we do evil. We cannot say that we are children of God and treat our brothers and sisters with malice, with, 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 with a hard heart. We cannot be uh, followers of Christ. And one of the things very seriously is this, if we are, if we are not living right and if we are not loving, then we are not a child of God. And this is, the the scripture says very clearly that we are not children of God if we are not conveying God's love to others. And this is what John is speaking to us tonight. And so we see here in verse 11, it says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We know that the, as he speaks about from the beginning, we, we know that as we go through the scripture, that we know in Genesis chapter 20, Two verse 2, that we know that it is the first time that we see love in the Bible. And it is so interesting that with the first time that we see it, it is a love between a father and a son. And we see that this is something that our Heavenly Father, that He is painting that picture for us, that the love for a father and a son. And this is a sacrificial love, a sacrificial love that He sacrificed it all. Because he loved us. And we see that first time in the Bible. But here also in Leviticus 19.18. It says you shall not take vengeance. Nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And this is what 
the Lord is calling us from way back when love, this is who he's calling us to love others. And this comes from John 13, 34, and it's Jesus speaking. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And I love this part. It says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. And so when we go out into the world, and I know we we speak about this many times here at the Bible study, and one of the things that we should always be reminded that we can go out in the mission field and we can tell people, God bless you, and we can tell people that the, Jesus loves them, and we can hand out Bibles, and we can hand out information about things about God. But one of the things that speaks so loudly that the outside world, people who don't know Christ, the biggest thing that is going to draw them to Christ and the and the Bible, the first Bible that they're going to read is you. They will read the way that you carry yourself, the way that you treat others. They, they say that they know that they've heard that you are a Christian, that you are a follower, that you've given your life to Christ. But one of the things that they want to see, they want to see that that Christ living in you, they want to see it lived out before them, that that would be a witness to who Christ is. Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ and we are to go out in the world and convey who he is. And remember, we are to deny ourselves our desires of the things that when things go bad and things go wrong, that we are to, to deny those things and, and, and always reflect Christ and always reflect Christ. Understanding that even though we as Christians go through difficulties, we understand that God is doing a work. God is doing a work if we faith have faith and we believe that God is doing a work in each and every one of us. One of the last things here I'll leave in this verse is the word that he said here is the word um, love. He uses the word agapeo in the in the Greek. It is the word agapeo and it means that it is a selfless love. And this is the the love that we are to have for others, a selfless love we are to have for others. But we see that this love does not come natural. This love does not come naturally. We don't naturally get up and we just love people. We just don't naturally get up and do that. But one of the things that we can actually, the will that we have because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, we can quench that 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 Holy Spirit and we can go out into the world and we can treat people at many times in my life as we can ignore them and we can mistreat them and we can ignore the Holy Spirit and that love that we have in our hearts because of the things that we feel. But one of the things that we should always be reminded that that does not reflect Christ. That does not reflect who Christ is. And so we should never do those things. And one of the things that we should always do is we should always cry out to God, God, help me love this person. Help me that this person, for whatever reason, there is something going on in our relationship and I don't understand what what he's done to me, but I have this hardness in my heart. And Lord, help me to forgive this person. Help me to love this person, Lord, knowing that God will do a work and he will draw them. And one of the things the Bible says that we should pray for our enemies. We should pray for them. And, And I've, in my life personally, I have prayed for my enemies. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight, that we should pray for our enemies, but not with malice. I wanted to share something with you that in the times that I have prayed for my enemies, my malice was, I hope that my my manager that is above me, I hope that, that she gets she gets a promotion. And my prayer that she would get a promotion would be that she would no longer be my manager. And this was my malice in my heart. I had a hardness of heart that I wanted her to be taken away out of the department. But we cannot pray those kind of prayers that we must pray, forgive, 
help me, Lord, to forgive this person for the things that they've done or the things that I thought. And we, each and every one of us, we must take that because we understand that when we harbor bitterness or we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, we are only harming ourselves. It is like we've played out on the last couple of weeks on the television. It is like us taking that drainal bottle, that red bottle, and drinking it ourselves and expecting the other person to die. We are only harming, harming ourselves when we go and we, we harbor bitterness in our hearts towards other people. We have to let it go and we have to ask them to forgive. But I know you're saying again, once again tonight, Mike, you don't understand what these people have done. They, they destroyed our family. They did this. They did these. But we need to understand that Christ has forgiven us. No matter what it is, Christ has forgiven us. So we have to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And so we see something here in verse 12 and it says, now as Cain, who was of the wicked one, um, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. It's interesting to see here that John goes all the way back in the book of Genesis. He goes all the way back to Genesis 4. And he goes to an area that we remember that um, Abel and we remember that Cain, that they were the children of Adam and Eve. We remember this very clearly. And remember that Cain, he was the older brother and he was the one that was born first. And both of them, if you were on the outside looking in, we see that there is a story there in chapter four that both of them bring an offering to God. And one of the things the Bible says that that Abel, he is the keeper of the sheep. And Cain is the tiller of the land. And this, this offering that they bring to the Lord, we see that it was, it was Abel um, who brought a animal sacrifice to the Lord. He brought an animal sacrifice to the Lord. And it was Cain that he brought fruits because he was a keeper of the land. He took from the, the ground, he took fruits and he offered it to God. And we remember that the story says very clearly that God accepted the offering from Abel, but from Cain, he rejected it. He did not accept the offering from Cain. And, and this is the reason why it caused this disruption in this relationship. But God was trying to reach Cain. He was trying to reach him and he told him, why has your continence fell? Because when he did not accept this offering, they say his continence fell, his face fell. And he said, he told him that if he would do right, that he would have the same relationship with God. But he chose to kill his brother. And the reason why he killed his brother, it was because of envy. It was because of jealousy. He was jealous over his brother that he had received his offering. And because of that jealousy, he murdered his brother. And so this is what this verse is speaking about, that we are not to have that, that hatred towards other that kills other people because remember that it all starts in the mind. And one of the areas that we need to be very careful about that we, we know that, and, and in this offering, I wanted to share something in the offering. We see that as, as God, many people ask, why did God accept Abel's offering and Cain it rejected? And a lot of people try to say that, that there was something wrong or something different about it. And one of the things that I do think that's interesting is that on the outside looking in, people on the outside would think that Abel and think that Cain, that they were both equally religious and that they were giving offerings to God, that these are both, but they were much different. One of them had the father, his father was, was he's in his heart, he was the father of Satan and the other one was the father of God. 
And we can see that in their wickedness that, that we see what happened, that he murdered his brother. But one of the things that we see that this offering, I think, is so important that we see that as he offered him a lamb, he offered him an animal sacrifice. Remember that, that this is what Abel offered him. And that Cain, he offered him the fruit and he offered him stuff that he had tilled in the ground with his own hands. And this is what God was trying to convey with him. The things that you do on your own, you cannot offer those things to God and be forgiven and be and be right before God. And the animal sacrifice was a picture of his coming son, Jesus Christ, who would come and that we would accept his atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so this was what God was trying to convey to Cain. And it's just so interesting because we know that we it is not by works that we are saved. And this is what God is conveying to them. And so it's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace we have been saved through faith, right? It is it is a gift of God, not of yourselves. It is a gift, not of works, least anyone should boast. And so we are to have faith in that sacrificial lamb and the offering that we give, bring, the things we bring to God is so important. But this envy and jealousy that he had in his heart that we need to be careful as individuals. There have been churches that have been separated by musicians who come into the church and they have a disagreement about who is going to lead the worship. And churches have been divided because of the same exact thing here of the envy and strife and jealousy that they have for one another. Pastors in churches have been divided and churches have separated because the pastor couldn't agree on who was going to preach on Sunday. And, and another pastor from maybe a younger pastor or came at a different pastor comes from different angles and churches have been separated. But we must remember that we are never to allow this envy and this strife and this jealousy to come into the church. We are never to allow it because we know God has called us as the body of Christ that we need to be in unity, in unity with one another. Remember that some of us are his toes. Some of us are his fingers. Some of us are his hands and some of us are his head and some of us are different body parts. But we're all part of the body and we need each other and so we're always to be reminded of this and not forget that very simply and so here in verse 13 it says do not marvel my brethren if the world hates you one of the things that this uh, jotted in my mind it comes from john 15 18 it says if this was jesus if the world hates you know that it hated me before it hated you as we are believers and as we go out into the world and, and when people hear us speak about God or maybe it's not by the what we speak, maybe it's by the way we live our lives, they can see that we are followers. You see that in the workplace but or in the world, in, wherever you go, if it's in the workplace or it's in the world, wherever you go, you might even just go to the to the supermarket that when they can see that you're a Christian, you see that one of the things that that does, it brings conviction upon people. I wanted to share a story with you of a couple of weeks ago. I went with my son to the batting cages. And as I was sitting there and I was studying for a study that I bring my Bible with me, I oftentimes bring my Bible with me everywhere I go, but I was studying, opening up the scriptures, and I was trying to read a little bit while I was waiting for him. And what was interesting, there were some guys that were sitting not too far from where I was sitting, and they were talking about their work day, and every word that came out of their mouth was a cuss word. They were cussing and cussing, and every cuss word. And I know we get used to this, but one of the things that's so interesting is, as they were talking and they're cussing, that one of the wives... I believe that went over and she nudged her husband and she pointed over to where I was at, where I was reading my Bible. And what's interesting, as they looked over at me, they they didn't exactly stop. They continued to, to continue to speak the same way they were speaking. But one thing they did do is he tapped his friend on the shoulder and said, let's go outside. 
And they both got up and they went outside to go speak outside. It's not that they wanted to change their vocabulary. It's that just they wanted to go outside because they feel convicted that there's people in the word of God, the Bible, it speaks loudly. It speaks loudly, even though that it doesn't, but it convicts people. And so we should not be surprised, as this verse says, when the world hates us, we should never be surprised. I wanted to share this, but this is who we are called to be in the world. As the world is, as oftentimes, as, as sometimes we feel that the world hates us, but we need to be reminded constantly who we are in the world as believers. And this comes from Matthew 5:13 through 16. And it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It, should, it, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what God is calling us as Christians to go out into the world and to shine his light. Regardless, we are not to be concerned if the world doesn't like us. We are to be more concerned of the love of Christ that he loves on us doing the work that he has called us to do. It is not about the world. It is doing the things for Christ. And one of the things that we see as men, and this comes from John three nineteen twenty, and it says, men love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, least his evils should be, or at least his evil deeds will be exposed. And this is one of the things that the world, this is the reason why they feel that conviction because they feel that we're exposing them, right? We, they feel that they're exposing them, but it is the word of God. They know that each and every one of us, God, and whether we're a believer or not, God has placed each and every one of us a conscience. And inside each and every one of us. And these things are one of the things that we need to understand that we are to constantly be um, in the things of God. And so uh, we, here we are. And so we're in verse 14. And it says, uh, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. You see that once again, this word agapeo, this selfless love that we are to have for the brother, we are to love others as Christ has loved us. We are to, well, this is what he has called us to. And this comes from uh, John uh, 5.24. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You see, it is in the obeying or in the, in the, uh, in the communion that we have with God, in that relationship that we have with God, that when we love others, if we will listen to the love of God, this is what his message is to us, that as, that we would love others as he had loved us. And this is how we pass from death to life. We have life that we believe and we have trust and faith in the word of God, the things that he has shared with us, the things that he has told us. And so this is the area that we need to be in as followers. We need to trust in him. And so here in verse 15, it says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. One of the things that we see that it, it, this verse very clearly says to hate our brother is to murder him in our hearts. I don't know about you um, here tonight, but me personally, I can see this and I can see that I am guilty of this. 
I have hated other people in my hearts, and the Bible says that I have murdered them. And this is the things that we must bring before God, and we must ask God to forgive us of our thoughts. And I know many of us, we think it's only a thought, but the only thing that separates those thoughts that oftentimes it is people don't carry out these things, this hatred, this murder they have for others, they don't carry it out because they're in fear of going to jail, they're in fear of a retaliation, they're in fear of some kind of punishment for what they've done. But we know that God very clearly in his word says that we are not to hate our brothers. Remember, we are to love them. And this is what God is conveying to us very clearly here, that we are to love our brother. And and like I, I, I think I shared this with you before, that one of the things, too, is that I think that oftentimes us as believers, we think like, well, you know what? I, I'm not going to actually hate this person. What I'll do is I'll just ignore them. Well, ignoring them means that all of a sudden that means, you know what? You're not important. And because you're not important, I don't love you. And this is not what we're called to do. We're not to ignore others. We are to love others. And this is what God has called us to, to love others. It is so important that we see that. But we see that this, this verse things that uh, also that in this scripture that many times people have used this portion of scripture to say that people who have murdered, that there is no forgiveness for them. But this is clearly not what it says because we can see that we know people and the Bible speaks very clearly about murder, that there has been people that have murdered in the Bible and God used them. And we see Moses in the Bible, he, in the Exodus, he killed an Egyptian. And we remember that he tried to cover it up, but remember that later on the Lord came to him and he would use Moses and he would be his prophet. And one of the things that we see that we know that he went to heaven, we know that he is with the Lord because he came back on the Mount of Transfiguration. He came back. Moses, a man who murdered someone, that we can see that his heart, he can come in repentance and ask God to forgive him and God, he can be forgiven of that. And we also remember the story of David. As he killed Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, he had him killed out on the battlefield there. And in First uh, Samuel chapter 11, he had him killed. And, and so we know that God used David mightily and that we know that David was forgiven because he had called out to God. He said, against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned. When he was, he did not deny his sin that what he had done. And this is one of the things that we can learn from David is that when the, the prophet Nathan came to him and told him, you are that man, he said against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned. He admitted his sin. And remember that First John 1, 9, this is where we need to be with Christ. We need to say when First John 1, 9 says that if we will confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is who the God we serve, that if we will confess, he will say the same thing that God says about our sins. We already know that it's sins. One of the things that I, I think is, as it just comes to me right now, one of the things is we see in the, in the story we were speaking about that Cain and Abel, that when, when he murdered his brother Abel, out there in the field and he buried him somewhere. The Lord came to him and asked him, where's your brother? Where's your brother Abel? And he remember very bitterly. He told the Lord, am I, my, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And he did. But one of the things that the Lord knew that he had murdered his brother, he knew it. But one of the things and I think in, in our lives, that one of the things that we need to see in this, that oftentimes when we sin, God comes to us and he wants to see where our heart is. It's not that he didn't know. It's not that he didn't know that what he had done. He said, what, where is your brother Abel? And he wanted to hear him confess. 
but he didn't. He said, am I your brother's keeper? And oftentimes when, when, when the Lord comes to us and things that we've done, this is what he wants from us. He wants us to confess it rather than try to hide it. He wants us to come and tell him the truth because this is who God is. He is the truth. And so we see that, that, that love that we see here. And so one of the things as this also reminds me of this verse here about murderers. There was a, a story about a church that I, that I follow, Pastor Poncho, and he has a, a, a under shepherd, uh, another pastor that pastors with him. John Paul is his name. And what's so interesting that my wife was sharing with me that, that this John Paul, that he had an opportunity that he was in a hospital and they were ministering to other people there in the hospital. And one of the things that, that was so interesting that happened is that there was a man there that many people, other religious denominations had came in and wanted to talk to this man. And he, he didn't want to talk to anybody. And they, they said that he was nearing and that he was close and he was on his deathbed and they wanted somebody to talk to him. And so this John Paul took it upon himself and he said, I want to go in and I want to speak with him. And so he found an opportunity to go in to speak to this man. And this man didn't want to speak to him at all either. But he said, let me just tell you one story. And he says, you're not going to come in and you're not going to read to me. You're not going to preach to me. And he said, no, I'm going to tell you one story. And he gave him the few minutes to speak to him. And the story that he gave him, he told him about the thief that hung on the cross next to Jesus, the two thieves. And he told him that the one of them said, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And we see that he can come. And this man said, you think that he will forgive me after all the things that I've done. And John Paul said, we can pray together and we can ask that you would accept Christ. And he accepted Christ. And what was interesting, right after that, we see that the man passed away. And so it's so excited. This John Paul says, we have an opportunity to meet this man and we're going to see him in heaven because he accepted the gift of Christ. He accepted it wasn't by his works. He was like the thief on the cross. It wasn't the works that he had done. It is by accepting the grace of God that he accepted that gift. And he said, yes, I will have faith and believe in what you've done on the cross. So here in verse 16, it says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This word here, um, by this we know, the word know we know is the word gonoskos, and that is a relational know. We know because we see the example that God has laid out before us, that he laid down his life for us, that he laid down so uh, unselfishly laid down his life for us, that we ought to go and be like our Heavenly Father and lay down our lives for others. This is what God has called us to, to lay down our lives for others. And, and this is interesting part of Scripture also. It's uh, uh, Matthew, um, this comes from Matthew 25, um, verses 35 through 40. And this is what God has called us to do to treat the brethren. And it says here in verse 35, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, and naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. 
And we see that this is what God has called us to. When we go out into the world and we share the love of Christ with others and we give to others. And oftentimes I think in our giving, we oftentimes think that it is something monetarily that we must give them money or we must give them. But oftentimes that there's people in the world that they just want to feel important that you stop and you ask them their name and you spend time to know who they are. And this is what the world and this is what Christ has called us to, has called us to love others as Christ has loved us. And remember that none of the things that are done, and this is not the reason why we do it. We do it because we are followers of Christ, because we are saved. We don't do good works unto the saved. We should do good works, but not because we want to be saved. It is because we are saved that we do those things before the Lord. And so here in verse 17, it says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And this is a question for each and every one of us. And the word here, really quick, is the word bios for the word goods. And many people think that when they have this, when I have goods, it means that they're wealthy. Oh, if I'm wealthy, then I'll give goods. I'll, I'll give it to other people because if I'm wealthy and I have a bunch of leftover, then I can share it with others. But I'm not wealthy. I'm barely getting by. But this word bios is the word and it means, the definition means people who have enough for themselves and just have a little leftover that we are to offer those things to other people. And this is what God has called us to. And so it's so important that we would see um, that and one of the things too, it's, it's, it's God called us to, and this comes from Ephesians 4.28. And it says, let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have some to give to him who has need and this is the reason why God has called us to work that when we do work that we can have some left over to help him in need you see God has a love for people that are in need and we're so thankful that he is because oftentimes we think our needs are physical needs, but God comes to us many times in our spiritual needs. In our spiritual needs, he comes and he, he frees us from the things that we need. One of the things that we can, we can, uh, shut, how can we shut up our hearts when somebody comes to us and they ask us for something, something in need? Does this reflect Christ? And this is what the story here is saying. When someone asks us for something, we're easy to come up with excuses why we can't help them. But oftentimes we should reflect Christ by helping them even sometimes. And we know that the word of God tells us that if we will help others and remember the story of the woman who gave a mite and the other people gave out of their abundance. Remember that she gave everything and God recognized her, that he recognized her heart, that she had faith and believed in him. One of the things also, as we talked about, that some of the, 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 the songwriters who wrote about love, we see that some of the songwriters wrote about love that in, 19, in the 1990s, there was a, a band who wrote a song, by, and the name of the group is called Bon Jovi. And they wrote a song, and it was called, as we were speaking of love, they wrote a song that was called, You Give Love a Bad Name. And this is what this verse is speaking about here, is when we are believers and followers of Christ, that when we... Uh, go out in the world and people ask us that we are there in need of something and we don't help them because our hearts, it says, how do we turn our hearts against them? We give love a bad name. And this is exactly what's happening here. And so we can see that very clearly. So one of the things uh, tonight that I'd like to close with tonight is I want, and this would help to kind of help close out this verse and give us understanding of this very last verse. And it would be like here tonight, our Bible study started tonight at six o'clock. 
And if I told you tonight, I said, you know what, if you guys all came here and you gathered up here tonight to gather to have the Bible study, and and, and here it came, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock right on the dot came, and I still wasn't here, you would oftentimes, you guys would be wondering, like, hey, what's going on with Mike? Is he not here? You guys would probably wait till like 6.05 till you guys went over and talked to Ron and said, hey, Ron, have you heard from Mike? Maybe maybe he's not coming tonight. Maybe I don't know what's going on with him. Is he coming or not? And so maybe Ron would pick up his phone and try calling me. And if I didn't answer, then he says, hey, well, let's give him a few more minutes. And they would be going back and forth. And you guys would maybe be gathering here talking. Hey, what are we going to do tonight? Are we going to continue on the Bible study tonight? And at 6.17, I would stumble through the door. And I would come into the, the Bible study and I would tell each and every one of you, I'm so sorry that I was late, but I, I want to explain to you what happened and the reason why I was so late tonight. And, and so I, I would say, while I was driving my truck on the freeway, while I was coming over here to the Bible study tonight, one of the things that happened to me is I got a flat on my truck and, and it was on the front uh, dr driver's side of, the, of my truck. I got a flat. And so I pulled over on the side of the freeway and I started to change my tire. And, and as I jacked up my truck and as I was pulling my tire off the my truck, I was having a hard time pulling it off, even though I had taken all the lugs and nuts off of it. And as I pulled that tire off, I fell back in the number one lane and I got hit by a semi. And as I as I was rolling around on the freeway, the only thing I can think about is I can't I, I, people won't believe what happened to me. I need to get up and I need to get my tire back on my truck and I need to get to the Bible study because all of you are waiting. And so I would come and, and this is the, the I got all my stuff together, put my tire back on the truck and I came here. And this is why I'm here telling you this story. Many of you here tonight, as you hear this story, you would be thinking, Mike, he is not telling us the truth. He is lying to us. He is not telling us the truth of what happened. But why would you think that Mike is lying? You would think that Mike is lying, that I would be telling you a, a, a lie, is because that we know that when someone has a collision with a semi, they're not the same anymore. They no longer are the same anymore, that this is an, an encounter uh, that they have that is a life-changing encounter. And this is exactly what John is telling us tonight, that when we have an encounter with the living, loving God, that we no longer are the same anymore, that we no longer see our children the same, that we no longer see our wives the same, that we no longer speak the same, that we no longer walk the same, that we are changed eternally for Christ. And this is what John is trying to tell us tonight, that we are to go out in the world and we are to love others as he has loved us. And this is the message that he is telling us, that if we had that encounter with Christ, that we will be different, that we will be changed eternally. Amen? Amen? So, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love tonight. Lord, we thank you for conveying your love to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, once again for sending your Son to die on a cross, Lord. The greatest gift the world has ever received is salvation, Lord. We thank you for your love and your goodness towards each and every one of us. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.